The readings taken from Romans chapter 5, verses 14b to 17. Now Adam is a symbol, a representative of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Let's just pray for Alistair's word. Oh Lord, we thank you that as we've shared in the communion and remembered that you gave your body for us and that your blood flows through our body, we pray, Lord, that the words that Alistair will give us will come into our body through our ears and we will hear it, take it into our heart and obey what you give us, Lord. Welcome to anyone visiting and welcome to those listening on podcast. There's always a few from around the world. I have no idea if you're listening on podcast why you would want to come to a little village in Geraldine, but you are very welcome to come and attend. Anyone watching online, it's fantastic to have you here. So those that are visiting, we generally pick for about half of the year uh, a book of the Bible, and we work our way through it one passage at a time. And I do it as mu- pretty much for me. It makes sure I, it tries to at least hobble my hobby horses. I have a few pet topics that I'd preach on every week, uh, but maybe you wouldn't appreciate that, or the Holy Spirit wouldn't appreciate that. So preaching through a whole book of the Bible means that hopefully, by God's Spirit, there's a, a, a diverse uh, menu of, of the whole counsel of God. And so last year and this year, uh, around for six months of the year, we're just working our way through chunks of the book of Romans. And the other half of the year, we do other stuff. And then Paul, over the last two weeks, he was getting in to Adam, Adam and Eve, and he was bringing how Adam and Eve and the whole gospel connects together. And so uh, the first week, I brought my view, which, uh, crazy as it might be in some intellectual circles, and unfortunately in some churches, I, I gave my view about that we should have a high view of the ex- existence of Adam and Eve. Paul and Jesus believed in an historical Adam. Uh, this whole thing of Romans 5, someone said, it just doesn't work unless you actually believe that Adam was real. If Adam's just myth and it's all just fairy tales, then the stuff here that he's talking, when he's connecting the second to Jesus, you'll just go, this is just odd. Why is he connecting this myth and this fairy tale story with Jesus? Uh, so I believe in an historic Adam and Eve. So that was, that was a couple of weeks ago, and you can have a look at that message. And, uh, and then last week, uh, we had a look at original sin. Um, I mean, this is tough stuff, I know, original sin. And, and I know that original sin, like when I first had it told to me in a Baptist church, 
You know, this, this lay preacher, we're all born in sin. I just like, what, me born in sin? I just had this vision, vision in my mind. And I was like, that's a horrible thing. And the way he said it, I made it think, he, we were born in sin, but he wasn't. And I sort of reacted within myself. Uh, and so I had a grudge against original sin for quite a few years. Uh, but I do believe it is biblical. And so last week, we had a look uh, at original sin. And we had a look at why do people do bad things? Is it just because they made bad choices so they could, if they wanted to make good choices? Sorry for the recap, but it's important. We're refreshing. We're carrying on. We'll get to the new stuff soon. Bear with me, St. Andrews. And so we had a look at original sin. It, uh, is it just was, and there was in the early church, there were two people, Pelagius, who was later outed, or his views at least were outed as heretical, who had this view that Adam's original sin was just a bad example. And that any one of you, uh, could make good choices and we can all be perfect. So Pelagius, this uber-zealous monk, went around. He was almost the equivalent of a motivational speaker. He would say, seven steps to an awesome life, awesome marriage. You can be the perfect parent. Just will it into action. You know, Jesus has given his word, all these commandments. Just read those commandments and get up in the morning and go kick some butt on that and sin and be perfect. You can do it just by your will alone. That was Pelagius' view. God doesn't need to help you. Just will it into action. And then Augustine came and said, no, the Bible is clear that everyone is under the power of sin and that sin affects our, even our willingness and ability to follow through on obeying God. And so I gave uh, some points about original sin. I'm going to go through it really, really, really quickly. And the points were from Trevor uh, Wax, I believe, but the content, I believe, was mine. Uh, so original sin gives hope to losers like me, and perhaps there's one or two elsewhere. Original sin shows me why I was such a failure at different things. Here's your, you look back on your life and you go, why didn't that work out well? Or I could have done that differently. Or why did I react to my wife Catherine this way? I feel really bad about it. Or why did I lash out at my kids and say words that I, didn't re I really regret? Or why, I confess, we had this whole repentance time uh, yesterday. It was The whole schedule got thrown out at the retreat, all those military leaders. And we're all on our knees repenting. And I had to confess... Uh, my, my attitude to a former Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, during the height of the whole COVID gig thing, I went home, thought I was alone, and just like, there's no one here, and I screamed out a profanity in relation to our Prime Minister. You're wrecking my church! You're putting people up! Words to Prime Minister, and I thought, ah, good. And then Steve just popped in the door, hey, Alistair, oops! And so I just, oh, I felt like bad, and I thought, oh, Lord. And then he was talking about critical spirit and dishonouring, I thought, oh, that is me. So why am I such a failure as a minister? Original sin! It gives hope to losers like me who failed at different things. You look at your marriage, children, or whatever else. Why doesn't it always work the way it's supposed to? Pelagius is right. You should be all awesome this morning. And if you are awesome, then Pelagius will be like, That's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a creed for heroes, Pelagius. People who think they're moral heroes. But Augustine, who had a very colorful life and lots of brokenness, failed in lots of things. He, got, he understood the Bible. So original sin, hope for losers like me. Original sin puts us all on the same level before God. We're all impacted uh, by uh, uh, um, um, uh, uh, sin. We're all in the same boat. And this is very important for us to grasp. I've heard you know, a few people have just said uh, to me that, uh, you know, these attitudes that can be out there from some non-Christians, Debs was just was one of them, but there's one or two others, that some of the attitude, that not, and I know that non-Christians can just pick up prejudices against Christians, and that anti-Christian prejudice is growing in our society in the high places. I'm aware of that, 
But some of the prejudice that people pick up to Christians and potentially even St. Andrews in this church is they think that we think we are better than them. All right? Are you with me? We're not better than them. <laughs> Original sin. And we're not better than them. All right? We're all on the same level before God. And out of that, that gives us tools to respect others. Original sin does not take away uh, uh, the image of God. So the non-Christians, they're not as bad as you or I might think they are. They're made in God's image. We have a lot to learn often. There's always something beautiful about everyone else. And Christians, we're not as good as we should be. Why? Because of original sin. And that should give us humility, grief of our own break, brokenness, gratitude for Christ, and love for others who are fellow, uh, fellow image bearers. And above all, original sin explains the need for Christ's death. Once it's sunk in, you go, oh, Jesus, save me. Free me. And, that, and Jesus is the second Adam, and it's for that that we're going to get into today. So we're going to have a look at a contrast between Adam and Jesus. So the text this morning is all about first and second Adam. Now, for some people, even for those who've been in the Christian faith for a long time, the concept of first and second Adam may seem just a touch strange. But it's a way of Paul uh, using as a concept of comparing and contrasting of Adam and Jesus Christ and the universal impact their choices have made. So I was thinking about it. I was sitting in my office actually this week and going, how do I explain the difference of this, you know, compare and contrast? And I, I came up, it's a really trivial example, uh, um, and it may not work with everyone, but it, it works with me anyway. Uh, so I'm going to inflict it upon you. So a few weeks ago, my lovely wife, Catherine, she was uh, going up to Christchurch for a drive, and she was taking the car, because we're a one-car family. And I was in a car, but I actually needed to get down to Waimati to, to run the service, do communion and stuff like that, and a few other errands. And I thought, what do I do? I've got no car. I thought, who's got... Who's got spare cars? I thought, ah, oh, Milne. Milne's got spare cars. If you know Milne, he's got a few spare cars. I'll give him a call. Hey, Milne, can I borrow one of your cars for the weekend? Just one of your boring cars. And, and Milne gets back to me, I don't have boring cars. Uh, so, so, I, I, so I ended up uh, with, with another car. So in, in, um, over the last few years, uh, this has been my car. It's a 2007 Toyota Prius. It's reliable, few economic, and boring, but boring and slow. I'm thankful for it. It's like my first car. Uh, but, but for a whole weekend, I got to drive a second car. Ah, there we go. Thank you. It's not frozen. I got to drive this for the whole weekend. It's a GTO LS2 V8 Holden Monaro. It comes with a modified KNN induction system, modified half-race cam, modified headers with a 3-inch exhaust system, beautiful leather interior, fantastic aircon, and it had 10 speakers, which I turned up and I put onto the sort of um, old, uh, I think it was Sounds FM, because I thought I'd just try, try to go with the whole, you know, vibe thing. And it was just like pumped up. And then on Earl Road, when I looked up and down, I stopped, and just there on the old road, there was no car. And I decided just to see what it was made of. And for three seconds of my life, it pinned me against the back of my seat. And then I looked at it, it was knocking on the hundreds. Ah, I don't want to get a ticket, so I, I, I slowed down. Right? So it was, it was awesome. There was no comparison between first car, oh, yes, that, and, and second car. All right? Uh, the first car was stuck in dead-end boredom. Second car, excitement, freedom, and happiness. Increases my, you know, increases my coolness factor. Well, maybe that's a stretch, but the rest is true. 
All right, now for anyone listening on, online, here in Geraldine, we love the environment. We love our reducing carbon footprint. We're hard of Dairyland country. We're passionate creation care people. This is just an illustration. And it's only a tiny amount of the one million tonnes of coal that our government imported in from Indonesia anyway after it closed all the coal mines. Just saying. All right. Anyway, so, so that, was my, that was my weekend for the, whole, for the whole thing. So that was a compare and contrast. And that is what... That is actually what Paul is doing with Adam and Jesus. And so he lets, if you see the Bible, it's full of contrasts between the two. So the first Adam was a man who sought to become like God. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, was God Almighty who humbled himself to become a man. The first Adam yielded to temptation in a garden. The last Adam sweated blood to defeat temptation in a garden. The first Adam ate and a covenant was broken. The last Adam broke bread and ate and a covenant was established. The first Adam was naked and received clothes. The last Adam had clothes but was stripped naked. The first Adam tasted death from a tree. The last Adam tasted death on a tree. The first Adam hid his face from the face of God. The last Adam begged the God the Father not to hide his face. The first Adam blamed his bride for his own sin. The last Adam took the blame and guilt for his bride, the church. The first Adam brought, brought thorns and thistles on this earth. The last Adam wore thorns and thistles on his head. The first Adam brought a curse. The last Adam became a curse that we could walk in his blessing. The first Adam was made immortal and he ended up dying. The last Adam chose to become mortal and rose to life immortal on the third day because death could not hold him down. This is the story, and the, con the contrast, there's so many more between the first and the second Adam. And Paul is saying, he's connecting the dots. The Bible is a meta-narrative, and Jesus is the second and greater Adam. Whatever I think of the car, there is no comparison between first Adam and second Adam, right? Much greater, much bigger, much more awesome uh, comparison. And so the message paraphrase, talking about Adam and Jesus, this is, he's just putting it into language like this. This is what it says. You know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma when first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God and everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by dis disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life the separation from God. But Adam who got us into this also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at death end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that sin was a death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, absolute life, in those who grasp with both hands this widely extravagant gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides. And the NLT has this key verse here, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, 
will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. The key passage there, as Paul is getting, is that because we're descendants of Adam and Eve, we are under the power of that. But we can choose, if we want to, to be under in Christ and under his power and receiving his blessing. And all of those things, first Adam or second Adam. And so it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very bad analogy, but uh, it's, it's like if you picture the two cars, if you're a boy or girl racer, right? And just picture, who would you want as a, as a father to go for a driving if you're a boy or girl racer? Do you want him under the first car or second car, right? Now, my mum would be like, first car, I want my son driving the Prius, right? My mum would be like that. She wants me safe. But if you're a boy or girl racer, you want the second car. <laughs> I can assure you, I've driven it, the second car. Well, it's the same with, with, with the two choices here. One is death and the second is life. Are you in Christ or are you in Adam? Original sin, it's around, it's impacting all of you. If you look at your marriages, your children, your parent relationships, the difficulties that we go through, we are under the influence of original sin. It came through Adam and Eve, and you live with the consequences, and I live with the consequences of it. Whether I'm swearing at the prime minister or other stuff which I will not go into, I live under that. But Jesus Christ came that we might have life, and we can choose to be today in him, and receive his blessings. He came a curse on, he was, and on that tree so that we could receive his blessings. Are you walking in that this morning? I want to just finish with just this. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gifts of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. For God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Are you living in triumph today? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for Paul and his word and the two Adams. And my prayer is that every single person here today would be walking in the second and last Adam and receiving the blessing therein. I ask this in your name. Amen.